Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of SG Debrief. This is episode 15, and I am Kevin, your host. With me, my co-host, the ever-awesome Jeff. Uh, we'll go. Okay, awesome. All right. I thought we were going with something different. All right, we're good. You okay with awesome? I'm all right with awesome. All right, let's go with awesome. the introduction, Kevin. How are you? I'm super. How are you, Jeff? I can't complain. Nobody really listens, you know. You know, that's that's part of being, you know, a 40-something-year-old guy who's married with a family, right? Well, well slow down with the 40-something. It's just 40. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Whatever you say. Over here. <laughs> yeah, so what's new, Jeff? Anything? Uh, nothing new, you know, kind of hanging out, working a little bit here and there, and uh, hanging out with you. <laughs> I really got nothing cool going on this week. Yeah, I kind of don't either. Well, I, I can say that tonight, great old New England that we live in here, it's uh, it's a solid, like, probably 60, 65 degrees out there right now, huh? Yes, sir. Coming yeah, definitely not blizzard weather. Uh, no, no, coming out of nowhere these 60 degree days, and I think we're going to drop down to the 40s again shortly. Not so bad. Yeah, 40s not so bad, but I just, I'd be okay if it was, uh, it was consistently maybe one range of temperatures every day, you know, maybe not zero and then 60. Well, it's, you know, keeps, keeps you on your health. toes, though. Keeps you on your toes, exactly. You don't know how, fo- how much I'm looking forward to dropping the top on the jeep actually i have a i have a small clue because i am very much looking forward to breaking my car out of hibernation that's true too but anyways enough about us let's get on with this super fantastic fun exciting episode i believe we are going uh we're doing Korai. Korai. more interesting than us so yes all right well Let's dive right into this super exciting episode. (laughs) All right, let's go. (laughs) We open on SG-1, arriving at an unknown forest planet. Hmm, forest, you say? Haven't seen one of those in a little while, Jeff. You're right, you're right. (laughs) Now, I know you pointed this out in a previous episode, so of course I've got my ear out for it now. We immediately begin with some very ominous music. Well, I think it's ominous because they look around. Well, first of all, they're in a village. How often is there actually a Stargate in the middle of a village? Not terribly often. Okay. But the village is abandoned. I think that's where the ominous music comes in. Yes. Very mysterious, ominous music because there's not a person to be seen. But the real strange thing is that the village looks like that there could have been somebody there a minute ago. Yep. All the fires are going. There's fresh food everywhere. I think they even mentioned that there's something on the grill. That reminds me, I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there was somebody who was cooking something, but by the time they actually stepped through the gate, wasn't nobody around. Not a person to be seen. When that happens, happens a lot, you know. Teal'c actually recognizes this planet after he looks around for a little bit, as uh, he calls it Cartago. You caught the name of the planet. Congratulations. I'm really trying to be detailed on this one because, um, you know, I feel a little bad about our 35 
minute and something second episode last week. <laughs> so I wanted to, wanted yeah, to really get detailed. It's not our fault. It's not our fault, but I still right. felt bad about it. Ortago, you said? All right. So here we are at Cartago. Cartago. He says the ghoul visit here regularly to harvest people for absorption. Harvest. Harvest. It's such a word. (laughs) It is. Daniel Jackson has a real problem with that word. Well, I I do too. I don't like being compared to Brussels sprouts. Yeah, it does sound kind of cold. A little bit. (laughs) But I mean, I guess it's kind of supposed to sound cold because the ghouls are just horrific beings. Yeah, they're not very nice at all. No. So I, I kind of, I'm with Teal on this one. It's like, I, I'm not going to beat around the bush and make it sound nice for you, Daniel Jackson. <laughs> this is what happens out here in the real it's the world. the way it goes. <laughs> all right. So, uh, yeah, they're looking around. There's nobody around. And uh, Teal does mention that this was a, a place where they harvested people. They go into one of the buildings. And interestingly enough, I note right off the bat, not even looking into anything, this building looks like the inside of a courtroom. Yes, sir. I noted that, too, because of all buildings they could have walked into, it's like they only built the inside of one of these buildings. Yeah, I mean, I I imagine that's got a little bit to do with uh, set design and whatnot. That's immediately what I went to. It's like, oh, really? Okay. That's what you went I mean, they got they have all kinds of levels, just like a courtroom. They have very low level where obviously the accused would would uh, stand or sit. They have mid levels for audiences, and they have uh, a couple of chairs that are way higher, right in front, which would be for like judges or uh, accusers or something along those lines. I would think definitely very courtroom like. Yes, very courtroom like. Not that I've been in many, just saying. Yeah, me too. So, uh, as they explore this courtroom, they're suddenly ambushed and surrounded by villagers. And I'm gonna, I said that they have weapons that look like slingshots and crossbows. A cross between the two, I would agree. Which are still, you know, those would be some scary looking weapons, you know, if you didn't have, uh, you know, rifles at your side. But there were certainly enough of them pointed at them. So yes, I, they took them serious. Yeah, exactly. Death by a thousand cuts. Exactly. And the villagers, they looked them over. Of course, you know, this is not the first time this has happened. Everybody, all of a sudden, they focused on Teal. Hey, you're the odd man out. <laughs> Sorry. It's you Sorry. again. Yeah. Well, they recognized them as a Jaffa. And of course... Uh, the rest of SG-1, starting with O'Neill and then Carter, explain that Teok is a peaceful Jaffa. He's a good guy. Now. They might as well just pre-record this message. Really? And Teok goes ahead and agrees with them. Like, that'll make a difference. <laughs> oh, yeah, I swear I'm, I'm a good guy. <laughs> that was good. Just take my word for it. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm a good guy. <laughs> Indeed. But the villager who's questioning, uh, he does not believe him, and then he says that Teok killed his father. Well, of course he did. And that's the end of the teaser. Note the time. 
three minutes and 45 seconds. I had 347, but all right, close enough. Okay, I'll go with that. I mean, I don't think my computer is exact, but uh, I'm, Still, we got it close. Yeah, either way. No, that's a, that's a very average teaser I'm seeing. Like right around between three and four minutes. Yeah, I would have to agree. It's definitely not one of the shorter ones, and I've felt like half the episodes gone by on some of the other ones. Yeah, I would say so. I didn't feel like a whole lot went on in this one. However, uh, it did give you a little bit of a, a point where it's like, well, I want to see what happened. So it was successful. Yeah. Oh, you're into it then, huh? I, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm super into it, but I want to see what happens. It's All like, right. well, you left it on a cliffhanger. I got to see, you know, what's up? Did he kill his father? Well, he says he didn't, so I, I, I don't know. I never got into the courtroom shows, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's also kind of a it's kind of a, a standard thing in, in some of these episodic shows that they, they have a, a standardized court, courtroom episode. Uh, it does seem that way. I've noticed it a bunch of times in Trek. Um, I think they even did it in Farscape. I, they, I know they've done it in other Stargates, so... They've done it in other Stargates, so it's... Yep, they do have courtroom episodes every now and then, so let's, you know, buckle up. Ah, uh, here we go, I know. <laughs> Alright, so we're at the end of the teaser. We're back is Teok is at gunpoint with a whole circle of people around him. O'Neill, of course, is curious. He's like, uh, he asks Teok if he's ever seen this villager before. He replies that he hasn't. And the villager, who we immediately just, uh, one of the other villagers reveals his name. His name is Hanno. Yeah, I missed that, and I couldn't get it for the rest of the episode. Yep, he just, he, he was like, it was another villager It was just like, Hey, Hanno, just you make sure you did something like that. Just an offhand comment. It's like, okay, now we know this guy's name. Yeah, well, at least he got a name because a lot nobody of nobody else didn't. Don't. <laughs> yeah, they really kept it on the outs this time. I mean, nobody else had a name except for him. You're you're absolutely right about that. <laughs> uh, so Hanno says that he's a liar. He lies, and another villager warns Hanno of the mandates. I assumed when I was watching it that mandates were like the law. I mean, it kind of, it's pretty much a simile, right? Yep. Hanno says that the mandates don't apply. He is not Bursa. That yeah, is... but the villager seems to convince him that if he does this, he's no better than the gold or the Jaffa. Right. We're kind of trying to we have to read between the lines here through this conversation, which they're not making it too difficult. No, I agree. I mean, I think I think it was meant to be this obvious, but still not just said right out loud. Exactly. They gotta keep they gotta give a look I mean, otherwise it's no fun if they give you all the answers here. And uh, the other villager convinces not uh, Hanno not to t kill Teok right now. He says, if he is right, Teok will be put through Korai. And Hanno replies that Korai will sustain his belief and takes Teok to meet, meet the village elders. I've always wanted to meet an elder. Yeah. Yes, I know. You love those O'Neill. He's got some good wisecracks in this one. He does. As they uh, emerge from the building, a lot of people begin to show up at the village. 
Here comes another one, actually. I'm going to let you take all the O'Neill wisecracks because you're much better at delivering them. Oh, no, no, no. That's not true. <laughs> Hanno confirms everyone was hiding because they thought the ghouls were coming through the Cirque Kakona. Yeah. We'll never hear that again. No, we certainly won't. That one, that one never sticks. Jackson translates that roughly to uh, the circle of woes. Which is completely understandable. Well, I mean, if people come in and just kidnap other people, that yeah, that's going to be a kind of a miserable circle. Yeah, if all you are is a Brussels sprout. <laughs> true enough, true enough. So SG-1 approaches these elders, and immediately one of them, um, an older woman, says uh, they can just go. She says, are you the leader? O'Neill replies, yes. She says, you can go. So he thinks like, that they got off easy this time. Yeah, Teal, dial it up. No, no, no. Teal, Teal can't go. Everybody else can go except for Teal. O'Neill's not having that. But however, there's a there's another good wisecrack there. I'm surprised you missed that. They say you can go. What does O'Neill say? Respect With your the... elders. Oh no, I did miss that one. Oh. I, did, I actually didn't bring up the one where uh, Jackson noticed all the people coming. He said something about, oh, they must be coming from a religious thing. And O'Neill goes, you with the religious thing. Always with the religious <laughs> stuff. Swap me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So anyways, T.O. has to stay. O'Neill says, yep, no, that's not happening. How would that exactly? And uh, Hanno then holds an item up to Teal'c and asks him if he remembers it. Did you catch what that item was? I sure did, Kev. Okay. It was the walking cane. Wow, the walking cane. Wow, you got one on me on this one. I did not pick that up at all. Oh, absolutely. The guy we had, well, we'll figure it out later, but the guy only had one leg and it was his. Yeah, so we're going to go, we'll, we'll discuss this little flashback here. When he does hold that up in front of Teal, Teal kind of goes into a bit of a flashback where when he was serving Apophis, uh, they're both in their serpent guard armor, and Apophis tells him to shoot an old man with his staff weapon. Ah, uh, he simply said, kill one of them. That's important. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm, he does say, kill one of them. He goes ahead and he... he sees an old man looking at him he's shaking and actually holding his right hand like asking for it i mean i guess i didn't really make that connection the first time that i saw it it was actually this time that i saw it when i made that connection to be honest yes uh yeah he's holding up his hand and teal shoots him with the staff weapon uh he collapses and a young boy comes out and over to the old man's crumpled body and just is crying, looks at Teok. It's obviously not a very good thing. Hanno asks Teok if he remembers now. And it's obvious that Teok does. O'Neill orders Teok not to say anything, and Teok actually complies with that. One of the very few times that anyone listens to O'Neill. This is true. But, you know, Teok's not exactly military. It doesn't last long. No, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, O'Neill disagrees because uh, they want to take Teal'c into custody, but Jackson calms him down, and they ended up bringing him along. 
just like the the first scene when they walk in and the guy gets convinced by the uh, other villager to not kill Tilk right away. That was Jackson and O'Neill right there. Yep. It felt the same. O'Neill's always the antagonist. Jackson's always the pacifist. Yeah. And somehow they balance each other out. Well, thank. Well, it certainly helps to have uh, Carter there as a referee. Yes, it does. SG One kind of helps themselves out. They're, they're they are a real team. Good point. All these team building episodes—they're they're here for a reason. Absolutely. Teok is locked up, and SG One is told that they can stay for the Korai. Oh, that's nice. After the guards leave. O'Neill tells everyone that they are breaking Teok out and they are making a run for it. No question in his mind. This is plan A. We're doing this. I love it. I mean, it's it's that just that does seem like the easy way to do it. It's the right way to do it too, but you know. Well, uh, that's subjective. Okay, well. But it's I'll... definitely a quick way to do it. Yes. Time to go home. Jack's gonna miss the Simpsons. What the hell? <laughs> so Teok refuses to leave. He shoots this down plan down immediately. He's like, "I don't want to leave," and that's gonna disrespect the Bursa. I don't know if I mentioned this, but the Bursa we figured out it's that's the name for this people. Well, on yeah. Planet. Jackson agrees with Teok. He says that's a bad idea if we forcefully do this and. All kinds of bad things could happen. People could get killed, yada, yada, yada. I disagree. And so does Jack. He thinks yeah. he can do it without getting a single person killed. He thinks if he just brings back a whole boatload of weapons and threaten these people, that they're just going to go ahead and let Tio go, and that's going to be his peaceful solution. It is not the way to make friends, but it would be a way. I think Jack's just sick of getting stuck doing it the hard way every time on a planet. And he's just like, forget this. Let's just do it the easy way once. It's not like we need these people as allies. Just once I want to go home. <laughs> exactly. It's just another one of those plans. Like, well, we got ourselves in another problem. Way to go, everyone. Can we just can we just leave this time? Nope, nope. Well, the last time they just left, I mean, bad things happened, remember? Seems to be the norm. Yup. So where were we? <laughs> so Jackson figures, he's uh, trying to figure out the the actual definition of the word Korai. And best he can figure that Korai means simple trial, and nobody said anything about death. This is where O'Neill says... I don't know about I, how I feel about your best I can figures anymore. <laughs> I did miss that one too, actually. It's a good point. Yeah, O'Neill doesn't have a whole lot of faith in Jackson's figuring. At this point, three female vi villagers arrive to observe Teok. They just kind of come down and kneel down in front of Teok. SG-1 kind of moseys on over. And uh, Jack is like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's a fair question. Uh, yeah, they just go ahead and kneel in front of Teal. So absolutely fair. One of the women tells O'Neill that she is the voice for the Korai. The Jaffa's voice for the Korai. 
which to me says lawyer, and she's a little young to be a lawyer, in my opinion. It does seem like a lawyer, or I think they mentioned defense attorney in the ap- episode. She seems like she's kind of a, a little young. I think that they're maybe interpreting a little too strongly there at that point. Because if they've already determined guilt, what what's a lawyer there for? Uh, to be the voice because the punishment hasn't been set yet. Okay. So it's a, it's somebody to ask them if they're sorry. And no, I would say like somebody to represent them for leniency or something like that. Okay. All right. So she was there to hear Teok's confession. So maybe if she received a confession, then she yeah. could advocate a little more towards a non-death or a... Uh, quicker death? A quicker death? Because I'm pretty sure death was going to happen either way. I know. So it's like, it's hard to see her as an advocate if there's nothing to advocate. I would have to agree. But anyways, we're back at this woman is uh, saying, well, I'm, I'm going to be his voice. Daniel figures that it means attorney, and she is here to hear his confession. If he wasn't guilty, there would be no Korai. Jackson explains that most cultures are guilty until proven innocent. Oh, no, no. Jack explains. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yes, Jackson. I'm I was, sorry. Yeah. I meant Daniel. Daniel Jackson. Daniel Jackson. Yeah. Jack. Next. <laughs> so, Jack decides he's going to be Teok's voice. He's like, if anybody's going to defend Teok, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Everybody else has a slightly skeptical look on their face when he says this. I'm kind of agreeing with everybody else. I think Daniel would have been the clear and obvious choice. I would also agree. (laughs) But the woman agrees to tell the elders. And as Carter and Jackson have some doubts as to (laughs) O'Neill's ability, then O'Neill agrees that they should all be the voice. Co-counsels. Yay. Yes, pro, yeah, co-counsels, exactly. It was a good choice. I think that's a good idea, too. So we hear some bells ringing. SG-1 steps into the middle of the trial room, I guess, the courtroom, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Right in that spot where we pretty much agreed that that's where a bunch of, that's where an accused person would stand. That's where the guilty goes. Yep. Because they're already guilty. You're right. The elders assemble and Hano kneels before Teok to apologize how he acted before. He says, I'm very sorry, Teok. You know, I didn't mean to act revengeful. Teok does accept his apology. And then Hano goes ahead and addresses the room and says, okay, Teok killed my father and his punishment is death. Oh, well, in that case, I really don't mean my sorry. How's that? Yeah, Jack's like, Jack is like, whoa, objection. Now, this is where I get a little annoyed with um, Jack. Because he goes on this giant tangent after he yells objection. Then he realizes that these people have no idea what he's doing. Right. And then he proceeds to explain how this is how we do it on Earth, and this is the way that we should do it, and this is the fair way to do it. 
it was ridiculous. He just, he basically, he, he, I mean, not for nothing, he sounded kind of like one of my kids saying an, an argument of, it's not fair. Well, why is it not fair? Because this is the way it's supposed to be. Well, oh. that's not the way it is. Sorry. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> it just was a ridiculous argument. It's a mind-boggling conversation that, as a parent, I've kind of gotten used to, so I didn't even realize it. Exactly. So after O'Neill objects, he wants an impartial judge. And Jackson explains the only person, only the person who has been wronged, can forgive. So you can't really get an impartial judge. Your judge is going to be the person who thinks that, that you're you've wronged them. And O'Neill gets shot down, not surprisingly. Oh, of course. Of course. Hanno asks Teok if he can remember him. And Teok does say that he, he can. Hanno then asks if Teok killed his father. And Teok responds, he did. And then and, he hands the walking stick back. Oh, not the, the, the talking stick. I'm sorry. The talking stick, yes. That's what I called it, yes. <laughs> you got me all tongue-tied with the walking stick earlier. I know, right? And that's where pay tension comes in. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. Here we go. All right. It's How time many... for pay tension. All right. You ready? I am ready, Jeff. How many bell tones rung after he handed them back the talking stick? You got this. I got I got confidence in you. Alright, I'm gonna go with three. Yep. Oh man! I told you you'd be able to get it, man. Alright! That was a little bit of a guess. I uh, won't lie. I gotta make him a little tougher. Apparently, <laughs> you're pretty good at this. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that was a tough one, man. I was not sure. All right. Good Good for you, man. All right. I, yeah. I thank you, everybody. I'll take my round of applause now. Yes, thank you. you. Yes, you do. <laughs> man, oh, man. All right. Hit the lottery on that one. All right. Woo-hoo. All right. So, yeah, after that wonderful pay attention. Court has adjourned. Court has adjourned. Recess. O'Neill is now questioning Teal alone. And he asks him, why, why didn't you tell me that you were guilty? Teal responds that he already knew. And that's why he didn't want Teal to speak. That's why he said, Teal, don't answer that. And O'Neill asks, well, what happened? Can you tell me what happened? And Teal kind of explains a little bit about what, what exactly went down that day. Apophis ordered him to kill Hano's father. That's what he says. He says yep. he's guilty and he feels great remorse. And O'Neill explains that Teal was ordered and he had no free will. Therefore, you weren't fully responsible for that. You're not guilty because of, you, you know, for following orders. And I've seen that a few times, you know. 
Well, Teok does not agree with that, and he feels that Hanu's retribution is deserved. I'm not really sure why he feels this way. He, he, I think it, it has to do with how he just feels such great remorse over this. It's not even just this. He, he lays it on pretty thick about all the crimes he thinks he's committed on other planets and whatnot. And he's trying to give this one guy retribution. Yep, that's exactly To make up for it all. Come on now. That's it. That's Teok's feelings. Yep. So Jackson explains now that the next part of this trial is the sentencing phase. We're already guilty, remember? We're already guilty, and now they need to convince everyone that Teok doesn't deserve to die, and that he is a different man now. So O'Neill puts Daniel Jackson on the stand, and he figures that when he questions Jackson about the fact that Teok picked out his wife out of a, a group of random women, he brought him to Apophis. Apophis uh, put a gould in her. I guess he figures that uh, Jackson, you know, who also considers Teal'c a friend, it's like, well, this guy had something very similar happen with him. So, That's such a bad theory on Jack's part, to be honest with you. I mean, look, he's got it just as bad as you. Lost a loved one, but a character witness, I suppose. I would agree. I, I think this is probably one of the best things that Jack has done as far as an advocate for uh, Teal'c. So after Jackson explains his entire story with his wife, the crowd is a little shocked. And then O'Neill brings up the fact that Jackson now works side by side with Teok, the man responsible for his wife's fate. And Jackson says that Teok has changed, that he would now risk his life to help Daniel. So that goes, he thinks that that goes a little ways towards establishing that Teok is a, a different person. Not such a bad guy, like Teal actually said, right? <laughs> Sounds like it's on the right track to me. All right. Next uh, bit, Carter is questioning him about when they were escaping Chulak in uh, Children of the Gods. Chabai. 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 I love those priests. <laughs> Sorry. He tells how, instead of killing those that he was ordered to, he turned his weapon on his fellow guards, protecting all of those people when they were making their escape. Again, not such a bad bad guy move, is it? I think that that's, this is going a long ways, and it's, it's a good idea. It seems like it's going a good place, good, going a good direction. <laughs> so in, in the meantime, Jackson is wandering the village a little bit, and he comes across the woman who's going to be, originally going to be, uh, Teok's voice. Oh, that was the same woman? It was the same one. Oh, Alright, I missed that part. Yep, she was very nice. And he asked the woman where they uh, go when they they sleep at night. He's like, I don't see anybody when we're sleeping. What's going on? Where do you all go? And she tells them that there's hidden caves and tunnels all around that they call the hiding, where they sleep and they hide from the ghouls. And they also say if somebody is unable to run and hide, then none of them do. Right. They don't leave anybody behind, and they're serious about that. Yep, it's part of their entire culture. So that's actually pretty important. We'll get back to that. I we'll agree. get back to that. So Jackson has an idea, and then he goes and he asks Teok specifically, why did he chose to kill Hano's father? Teok goes back to his flashback 
We've seen this flashback like nine times, and it's been different every time. And I exaggerate, of course, but right. And they every- seem to add a little bit more information every time. I think is what you're getting at. Yeah, but they could just give us the full version the first time. Yeah, what fun is that, right? <laughs> Where's the fun in that? <laughs> no wonder why they catch it the first time because it wasn't there. That's right. Apparently, Apophis said that if Teal didn't kill one villager. Apophis would kill them all. That's the big line that we have to remember. We flash to Hanu's father, who only, we now we see that he only had one leg. And that's ah. why he had the cane. Correct. It was a nice looking cane, too. It was all inlaid with red. Oh, yeah. Know, did that. Very fine looking. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, a one legged man can't run very fast, I think is the thought here. Correct. Now it becomes a little bit more apparent when he's making the hand gestures that he wants Teok to kill him. He's gesturing for him to kill him because he's the weakest and the slowest. And the next time the Jaffa come, that they have a much better chance of all running and hiding. Without him, exactly. And I honestly think the way he was paying attention to Teok in the flashback, that he heard the conversation between Apophis and Teok. It does kind of seem that way. Just tossing that out. Nobody else was paying attention, of course. Nobody else. But, I mean, older, you know, they, it's it's also not, not out outlandish to think that he was really paying attention. He kind of saw, the, he read between the lines, and he knew what Teal'c had to do. Yep. Jackson tells o- O'Neill this entire bit, and he thinks that he has a real, they have a real chance of saving Teal'c now. And O'Neill thinks that this is a completely moot point and nobody's going to care. Yep, he's already been guilty. He's already guilty. I I don't understand what we're doing. O'Neill is going back to Earth for reinforcements. And the idea is that he wants to come back with another squad and a whole bunch of weapons and just try and scare the villagers into giving them back to Oak so they can just leave this planet and never come back bring out the chain gun just for looks right yep it seems like a yeah very military solution well again it probably would have worked too it might have o'neill leaves with carter and uh they go back to earth to the explain the situation to hammond so we'll go back to the court now and now jackson is still trying to explain to the court now why Tio killed hanno's father See, I missed this. It, there was a conversation between Jackson and Jack. Right. Regarding, yeah, and Jackson actually had me sold. Why aren't we doing this the, the right way? Because he just had all that all that new information. He, he was doing good. He was, but Jack just didn't believe him. So Jackson decided, well, hell, I'm going to try anyways. Well, Jack did tell him to keep him entertained for a few hours, and why not try that, right? That'll definitely entertain him. All right. Sorry about that. Keep going. <laughs> oh, that's okay. We already all, all know this, but Jackson is basically trying to explain to the court that Teal killed Hano's father because he was a cripple, because he didn't move very fast, and he was really trying to save more lives in the future. Hano doesn't really believe him. He's angry, and he wonders why why the heck didn't Teal turn coat sooner. 
right he didn't children of the gods and jackson explains that they if he had then he probably they probably would have wiped out the planet hanu is like well they didn't do that to your planet and jackson's like well they would have they really did try they tried like hell matter of fact last episode they tried (laughs) jackson pleads one last time for teok's life and hano commends him for a strong argument but continues to believe that no matter how much good teok has done it does not erase his past i think this is when it comes up that no deed that he could have done since that action could have brought back his father yeah i think those were pretty well exact words right there yeah that's what he's looking for he wants his father back if you can't make that happen then you're dead yep he's jaded big time oh yeah so tomorrow at midday teok is going to be executed by his own staff weapon yeah reasonable i mean can you imagine how many arrows it would take to kill that guy uh yeah quite a bit you know with the symbiote and that whole bit yeah that, that would take a while so the staff weapon's a good call like many of episodes that have come before this, this is where we do a bit of a back and forth between the SGC and the planet. I hate it when they split up. Zork. Yep. I can't help but think about Scooby-Doo every time they split up now. That's, yeah, that's a good point. Good, yeah. good comparison. So back at the SGC, O'Neill and Carter are talking to Hammond. They have explained the story to him, the situation. Hammond seems unwilling to interfere with the situation. I'm actually surprised Carter was arguing as avidly as she was for Jack's plan. She's smarter than that. This is where this reminds me quite a bit of Trek. Okay, go ahead. It's like they have moved to a complete prime directive position now. And they're blaming it on the fact that they have changed administrations and the new president believes we shouldn't interfere in other cultures. Now, I'm not entirely sure when the new administration took over, but there was no mention of it before today, I think. I'll get back to you on that. All right. But I will say that the new administration appears to watch Star Trek quite a bit. So they're they're on board with uh, not violating the prime directive. Trying not to screw up other cultures. Got it. That's right. They don't even say Earth. They don't even say Earth is interfering with. They say the United States, which I'm I'm kind of agreeing with more. It's like, nah, the United States really shouldn't be messing with other planets. That's a bad <laughs> idea. It's, it's really bad. We really don't know what to do with our own right now. Let's let's figure ourselves out first. No, no, no. Let's go for it, boys. O'Neill's like, since when? And that's when Hammond is like, well, since the current administration was elected, in the eyes of the government, Teok is not an American citizen or even an Earth citizen. This is when uh, Jack actually gets really insubordinate. And I like that. It shows us fire. Uh, Unfortunately, it doesn't really do much good other than the fact that Hammond says that he personally agrees, although he does not professionally agree. Which is... You know, a logical thing to say for Hammond. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, that's really all he can say. Right. You can't just take your personal feelings into account. And Jack has a a bit of a tendency to take the law into his own hands, probably would be the best way to explain it. Yeah, he takes the situation, figures it out himself if he doesn't like the answer. 
gives himself a wide berth. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. We're going to go right back to the planet for just a little bit where Teok is being painted, prepared for his death. I I, I don't know what the deal is with that, but he does mention that he wants to donate his body and his symbiote to the Earth so they could study the ghouls and hopefully find a way to defeat them. Oh, that's mighty nice of him. I gotta be honest. That is really nice of him. Still rather have the live versions, but... Teok is very selfless. He really is. He's trying to make up for past crimes for years and years, man. No one can fault him for not trying. So we're going back to the SGC again after that quick little bit with uh, Teok getting uh, war paint on him. And Hammond's delivering the message that the president is definitely not going to authorize a rescue attempt. Hammond agrees with this. Of course, O'Neill does not. This is when he gets unsupported. I'm sorry. Yeah, he gets yeah he gets very mad, but it's it's the way it is. Yeah, I was I was a little ahead of my notes. My bad. (laughs) These things happen. Since they don't have a uh, squad of Marines and a bunch of big honking guns and they just go ahead and head back to the planet O'Neill and Carter and now something's a little off yeah they kind of get back to the planet yeah there's a lot of extra fires yeah (laughs) like this came as like now obviously they're gonna walk through and see that there's serpent guards wandering around rounding up villagers but yeah there's no then it was like is this some sort of uh, new campfire holiday that we don't know about? Very little mention in this whole episode, but it did come up that the gold were actually due for a visit. <laughs> they actually, I believe they said they were overdue for a visit. So, yeah, but you, they said that in the very beginning and you forgot about it. So when you come to this scene, it's like, whoa, what happened? Yeah, that, that was a bit, that was a shock because you do forget about it. I like that. They made me forget about the fact that that was going to happen. They made me focus on the main plot of what was going on. Well, hell, they made me forget about it. Because I actually didn't put it in my notes, but I remember watching it in the the show. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So they did a great job of that. I agree. I had to bring that up. Sorry. My little tangent. That's a great point. Okay, so yeah. Um, we get there, and there's, like I said, there's a few extra campfires, and, the, and we notice that there's some serpent guards walking around. Teok and Jackson are hiding with the remainder of the Bursa. O'Neill and Carter, they're walking along. Unfortunately, when they go hiding from some serpent guards, uh, one of them sees them and starts firing at them. I, I, gotta, I gotta lean in on this one a little bit. One of them sees the shadow behind the pillow. This is the most observant, nonchalant bad guy I've ever seen in sci-fi. Seriously. And that's not really what he saw, either. Because we we all know he's got this big, freaking, ugly gold yeah. helmet on. No. <laughs> no, it was just... I'm like, really? He saw the shadow? Yeah, I don't know about that one, either. <laughs> Like you take a normal stormtrooper, the guy's gonna let you walk right behind him, two feet away. But this guy can see half a mile away a shadow. I will say, man, I never got those Jaffa guard uniforms. They look like the most awkward things ever, and they don't look like they would be useful at all in combat. 
Well, they do deflect bullets in the beginning of the series. Remember the, that. Yes, in the beginning of the series. Oh, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you stipulated that. Oh, yeah. Because they don't work so good later. I must have run out of trinium or something. Something like that. I'm sorry. I did mention that, that uh, Teal and Jackson are hiding with the remainder of the Bursa. Yeah. Um, they're, well, in, they're in a dead end, though. They got cut off from the exits. And what's his name again? Hano. Hano still blames Jack for going back and riding him out to the gold. Yeah. They really, like, they know how to hold a grudge right up until the bitter end. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, too, because Jackson and Teal were arguing Teal could help, but no, 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 no. Yeah, that was insane. It's like, really? You still think that we betray? All right, fine, whatever. Yeah. He even goes to the point of telling a young boy, I think it's his son, must be, that if he goes out and dies, he still wants that execution to happen of Teal. That's true. I'm not sure if that was his son, but that was a very vindictive thing to say. Wow. Crap. Hey, by the way, you know, if I die, make sure he still gets murdered. Right. Oh, my gosh. I've written in my notes, what an a-hole. I know. And then you got, all right, and... Let's let's just move this along a couple of minutes because literally in the space of a couple of minutes, this guy changes his mind completely. Well, as well he should. I mean, he should have already. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> there was plenty of uh, convincing argument that should have convinced him. Yes. O'Neill takes out two serpent guards directly in front of Hano, saving his oh, life, basically. Life. Him and all the other villagers he had with him to distract them. Way to yes. go. Yep. And basically, I mean, that shows him that he's completely on his side. Uh, I believe Hano actually gives him a good, like, a, a smile of some sorts. There, there was a head nod, yes. <laughs> Thank goodness. Jeepers. But that's not what convinced him, finally. We all knew O'Neill was okay. Jackson is with Teok. They're, they got serpent guards walking all around him. So... Jackson warns Teok, he's like, dude, you need to, you should probably cover your face, because maybe some of these serpent guards might recognize you. Oh, man, why you gotta say it in black, in comes Shackle. It's like, it's like you predicted the future. Immediately, if, uh, nobody has remembered, um, our buddy Shackle from, uh, the Knox, I believe is where we saw him last. Yes, good catch. Shackle was Apophis's number two, we'll say. If uh, Teok was number one, then Shackle was definitely number two, and he promoted Shackle to first prime. Yeah. We'll talk about failing upwards, I think, is O'Neill's words. Something like that. <laughs> but Shackle recognizes him. He's really happy to see him. He's like, oh, Teok, yes, you're going to make a wonderful gift for Apophis. You're going to so happy. See, he actually says you're going to secure my spot as first prime. Like, it's not already hits. I... Yeah. Well, he, he's first prime. So maybe it's going to, you know, so I wouldn't say secure. Would solidify be a better better way of saying that? Either way, he's got the gold emblem. I thought he was he's the got guy. It. Yeah, he's got the job. Maybe he's just paranoid. You know, going to work every day thinking you're going to get fired. I, I, okay. Yeah, I'd be paranoid. Right. You see how many uh, guys they shoot in the back? Ah, anyways. Shackle notices him, and he prepares to kill, kill oh, I love uh, Teal, but Teal is quick. He gets a knife, and he stabs Shackle. 
That's what he gets for gloating. The yeah. first thing he did was stand there and start gloating. It's like, really? Yeah, it was a classic bad guy move there. Yep. So after Tio kills Shackle, he notices that another serpent guard is about to shoot a group of Bursa with his staff, we- staff weapon. So he jumps, he dives in front of the staff blast, catches him, but he, def- he, he is able to protect the group. Everybody sees this, so any doubts that anybody had that he uh, was not on their side kind of got laid to rest. Yeah, even even if the guy, Hanno, whatever his name. Hanno. Hanno. Even if Hanno still wanted him dead, I think the rest of the villagers might have actually stepped in at this point. Yeah, I, he pretty much gained favor with everyone. Yeah. Well, you know Hanno. He, he knows how to hold a grudge. So. <laughs> well, thankfully... Finally, Hano sees the writing on the wall here. He's badly wounded, and Jackson wants to take him home to Earth, but Teok says no. He walks up to Hano, and he's prepared to accept his punishment. It is noonday. It is midday, and hands him his staff weapon, man. Yep, hands him the staff weapon that he has, and he's like, here you go. Hano finally accepts that he made a mistake and he says that Teok is not the man who killed his father. Oh, yeah, he meant that figuratively, you know. Right. He thinks SG-1 should take Teok home and Hanu gives Teok back the staff weapon and he smiles at him. Aww. Took like 60 minutes to make a new friend. Not for nothing, but we didn't exactly make a enormously powerful new friend or anything. No, we made a new friend. But we were, were trying to make a good reputation for ourselves here. Say in 10 minutes, we could have been gone with a few bullets. Absolutely. Still up over Jack. Wouldn't have made much of an episode, though. Good point. <laughs> it would have been over pretty quick. <laughs> So the last bit is O'Neill says that Earth can help uh, defend Hano and his people, and Hano says that he would appreciate that. Yep, they're all friends now. Yay! And O'Neill puts his hand on Teok's shoulder, kind of a s- signifying, it's like, hey buddy, I'm here for you. I got your back. I got your back. <laughs> Who got my back? Sorry, football thing. And that's it. That's the end of the episode. Roll credits. Executive producer, Jonathan Glassner. Yep. Bad right. So what'd you think? Um, well, we we at least made it a lot further than um, 36 minutes this time. Not about the time. What'd you think about the episode? <laughs> there are bigger and brighter episodes up ahead. This is another yeah. semi-filler episode. We got a little main story out of the way. We know no. that Shackle's not going to be around anymore. And we, we remember Apophis exists. We remember Apophis exists. He's still a jerk. <laughs> well, we don't know that. All we got from Apophis this time was flashbacks. That's it. Oh, man. Yeah. However, I'm, I'm, I'm looking on the horizon. I'm seeing the end of the season is in view. We got four more, five more episodes. With, I, we're coming up on Singularity. I like that one. I think you do. Try again. What? Singularity is the one we just did. No, it isn't. Yep. Singularity is the one with Cassandra. Oh, 
You might be right. I might. Be. But it's okay. We got. We are. We have the in the horizon, and you know what the end of the season means. It means there's going to be a season finale. It means that they're going to try and do some stuff with the main story because they can't just leave it. Oh, solitude yeah. is the one I was thinking of. Sorry. Solitudes. All right. I like solitudes. I had to look that up. It was going to drive me nuts. I believe, Jeff, that that's going to bring us to our most wonderful and oldest segment. Do you know the segment I'm talking about? No, this segment. I think it's your turn to say it, though, isn't it? That's right! <laughs> it's who the fuck was that? Yay! Applause. Yay! What do you got? All right. Well, as it's the only... Uh, guest star who actually had a name in this one, uh, I decided to do Hano. Fair enough. And his name was David McNally. You get all the easy ones. Well, this actually was a pretty easy one because he is... He hasn't done much. He, he doesn't have a... When, well, when I say that, I mean, he hasn't... He's got a lot of guest appearances and, and a lot of uh, different genres and different uh, TV shows, but uh, he didn't really do anything major. Not really a prominent role anywhere. Not really, but I am going to name what he is the most prominent in. He did a series called Jake and the Kid. He actually is also, this is not his only SG-1 appearance. He will make another one in next season. Ooh, we'll see him again. We will see him again. Uh, he was in The Outer Limits. A lot of people do The Outer Limits who do this show. I have noticed that. He actually moves on to Stargate Atlantis and does a pre uh, appearance in that. Oh, excellent. He's got two. All right. Indeed. He's done a series called Blackstone. And then most recently, I believe uh, this one is last year, he did an, a series called Tribal. Haven't seen that one. Nope. I don't know either one of those either. He's fairly prominent in both. All right. Yeah. So who do you got this time? Well, I, I picked out, again, like you said, Hano was the only one with a freaking name. So I, I liked, she played the female elder. Okay, the older lady. Older lady. Something about her stuck out to me. Her name is Christina, and I'm going to butcher the crap out of this. I apologize. Jastrzemizga. She's Polish. Not my uh, fault. I don't it, think there's any chance you didn't butcher that. I told but you. I'm sure she forgives you. I, I hope so. I, I do feel bad. But <laughs> he played the female elder. Again, no name. She started acting in 1989 when she moved up to Canada, I believe. Shocker, Canada. All right, Canada. Another one of our Canadian actresses. She played. Oh, she did a few episodes on The Outer Limits. Outstanding. She played in Final Destination 2. Oh, that's a good movie. The 4400, which I've actually seen. It's not a bad series. I watched it with my family. Trying, cool. to, get, trying to get them into sci-fi, you know? Yeah, I actually that, I know of that one, but I have not seen it. She played Dr. Weir's mother in Stargate Atlantis. All right, another one to the Atlantis. Oh, and I got the trifecta right here. She also had did one episode in Stargate Universe. As Whoa. 
You're That's right. First That's time rare. And then, just for fun, she was an archmage in the Warcraft movie, Kevin. Oh, that's funny. I got to toss that one in. That's why I chose her, man. It's funny. <laughs> I never even, I still haven't seen the Warcraft movie, but I think I need to now. I think we, we both saw it once. That could be. That, that could yeah. be. My memory's not so good sometimes. Yeah, no, understandable so, but yeah, I had to throw her in there just for that. Cool. That's all I got, brother. Well, all right, buddy. I think that's going to bring us to the end. As always, people, catch us on Facebook, Spotify. Leave us some feedback if you like. We'll just keep doing this until uh, uh, I don't feel like doing it anymore. <laughs> we got nine more seasons to go, so buck well, that's up. SG1. I mean, gosh. Right. I, I will say that uh, I have almost as much respect for Atlantis as I do as a SG1. I, I wouldn't even say respect. I'll say love. I, I love Atlantis. I think I like Atlantis just a little bit more just because if you have to combine all the SG1 uh, seasons, the first couple bring it down a little bit. I'm sorry. They do. They do. They're slow. It takes them a while to get traction. Atlantis had five really good seasons in my opinion. Yeah, they kind of did. Because it, it, they already were jumping into an already established, you know, yeah. universe and everything. But everybody already knew what played and what worked, so we're going to continue writing the way. You know, yeah, it was cool. All right, people, thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, thanks for being here, Jeff. And we'll see you again next week. Absolutely, everybody, have a great week.